I, I definitely feel that isolation. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. She told me that I should change my career goal. We're only doing science to take care of our community. You need to feel 100% prepared for sharing your knowledge. Um, there's never been a road that someone has shown me. If no one do it, it's okay if you want to do it. Well, I had a 2.5 GPA. How do I overcome this? First gen come grade, I was the class the low. Higher education is for them. It will empower them. They will have a Present time. Present myself in a way that I feel that people would be able to really acknowledge who I am and like... We need to retain them. Be you, you know, like stop trying to mold yourself to fit. But it's not just about the science, it's about how we vote, you know, how we treat people who are different to us, you know, how we try and get the best out of people. Those things are really important. When I graduate from our program, I will be the first African-American male to ever have matched and graduated as a surgeon at this institution, as a general surgeon which in 2021 just seems ridiculous to me. What's up, y'all? It's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to From Where Does It Stem? I'm Angeline Dukes. I am currently a fifth year PhD candidate at the University of California, Irvine. I'm a daughter of immigrants. My mom is from Trinidad and my dad is from Haiti. Um, so I'm a first generation American. I was also a first generation college graduate. I went to Fisk University, which is a historically black college or university in Nashville, Tennessee, where I earned my bachelor's degree in biology. Um, immediately after undergrad, I applied for PhD programs and luckily got accepted into UC Irvine, um, where I've been for the past few years. I'm very passionate about teaching and mentoring and outreach. I'm also the founder and president of Black and Neuro, which is an international grassroots organization dedicated to amplify and support Black scholars all around the world who are interested in neuroscience. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Fisk University, I saw that you tweeted last night about, there's this Twitter trend going around about PhD rejections, PhD um, acceptances. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, what are your thoughts on science Twitter and, and how we've built like this community around um, science, you know, like uh, black and neuroscience, things like that. Like, how has that helped you out? Yeah, I really loved it. I think uh, Twitter is, science Twitter in particular has been a very interesting experience. So I didn't actually make a science Twitter until like my uh, second or third year of grad school. I was very hesitant about it. I was just like, well, what could scientists <laughs> be talking about on Twitter? Um, but it's it's been a really great experience. Like you said, a great way to build community. That's how Black and Neural got started was because I sent out a tweet and it's just blown up into like this massive, wonderful organization since then. Um, but it's been really nice to just be able to connect with people. I really love this trend going on right now about people sharing not just their accomplishments, but also their rejections and some of their failures. I think sometimes we see like people who are well accomplished, who are doing all these amazing things, but we don't think about the journeys that they've had to go through to get there. We don't think about the struggles that they've been through. We don't think about all the rejections they had to get like that one acceptance. And so in particular for me, I love sharing my story because I was a college senior when I was applying and I had no idea what I was doing oh, at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I guess I'll submit some applications. People were like, yeah, just apply for PhD programs. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you get paid for PhDs? I didn't know right? that in my college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that was amazing to me. I'm like, oh, y'all are going to pay me to get this yeah. degree? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Um, and so I, I come from a low income background, um, so I only applied to programs that offered me a fee waiver for the application process. And so 
if anybody's listening to this who's part of you know admissions committees and stuff like y'all should really make sure to offer fee waivers because those applications are insanely expensive and it, most of us just can't afford them <laughs> it's just not feasible um so I applied to, I was going to submit five applications. Um, I had like this existential crisis the day that applications were due. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, oh, there's no reason for me to submit these things. They're not going to accept me. I don't have enough research experience. I don't, you know, I'm just not prepared for this. They're just going to tell me no anyway. There's no point. And um, I freaked out. I called one of my friends and she was just like, I mean, the worst thing they can do is say no. And I was like, okay, but I don't want to hear no. <laughs> so, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Applying for anything, you know, like yeah. just apply, just send that email, just do it. Like people mm-hmm. aren't out to get you. you know? Like <laughs> people have yeah. good intentions most of the time. So at least we hope so. We definitely. Yeah. Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up uh, submitting four applications. Um, I got three interviews, which was amazing. I was absolutely shocked. Also, super surprised that like they pay for you to fly out there and like put you in a hotel and stuff. And I was like, yep. what is happening? <laughs> I think that was like most of the traveling I had done at that point. And so that was uh, really nice. Um, My first interview was actually here at UC Irvine. And I was so nervous, very like just all types of jitters, all kinds of like, oh, my God, I'm going to mess this up. They're going to think I'm so dumb. (laughs) Was that your first time in California when you when you? Well, uh, not my first time. First time in Irvine. Um, my, yeah, my partner is uh, from California. So we had come out here to visit his family before, but, um, this was like my first time in Irvine and I was just, I was all kinds of nervous, but it was really great. I felt very supported here. I felt like, you know, it could be a great place for me to be. The faculty seemed really supportive and nice and the students as well. And so I was like, oh, um, I remember calling my then boyfriend at the time and I was like, yeah, I really like this school, but there is no way they're going to accept me. (laughs) Look at you now, yeah. <laughs> telling me I have experience to run. <laughs> You're at UC Irvine. Yeah, no, it's it's been amazing. It's just such such an amazing thing. But um, yeah, so they accepted me. I had interviews at uh, Washington University in St. Louis and Vanderbilt. I actually did a summer research program um, at Vanderbilt. So I was like, oh, like maybe I have a good chance of getting in. And then for WashU, I was like, oh, okay, I think this will be good. I got rejected from WashU, and then I got waitlisted for Vanderbilt for so long that like the deadline to like accept offers had passed yeah, and then they told me I didn't get it. <laughs> I, was I like, hate what? when people do that. Like, why you even put me on a wait list? <laughs> you know, like, it's okay to just tell me no. Don't like have me yeah. think that I have a chance. <laughs> well, on, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, thankfully, you know, I got my one acceptance and that was really all that I needed. And like I said, this was a place where I felt like it was a great place for me to be that I could really like grow and thrive here. And I'm happy to say that I have been like, I'm glad that I got accepted here. And honestly, when I think about these things, um, looking back on it, if I had gotten into one of the other institutions, maybe I would have gone there. And I don't think I would have had the same type of experience that I would have had here. And so I'm glad that they rejected me in some ways. Um, I had posted something else that was just like, um, rejection is just redirection. And so that's really how I've been feeling about a lot of things in my life. It's just, you know, if you get rejected or told no from something, that's okay. That's just not where you're supposed to be right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and the one thing I wanted to touch on um, that you talked about is that feeling of support, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that goes into that is mentorship, right? So a lot of people talk about finding their tribes, communities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your support systems like growing up and how integral has this been to you? Like, what did the support look like? 
So uh, as I mentioned, my parents are immigrants. And so the type of support has been very different. My family is fairly spread out. Some are in New York. I grew up in Georgia. My aunt's in Alabama. And then of course we have family like in Trinidad and in Haiti. And so unfortunately we were more spread out than I uh, would have liked to be. And that was kind of hard. And especially trying to figure out like how to navigate academia, trying to apply for college, um, and let alone grad school. <laughs> like my family couldn't really help because they didn't, they hadn't done it themselves. So they didn't really know what was going on there. Um, but I will say like throughout my entire process, especially my dad, he's been like my biggest supporter. He was the loudest person at my graduation. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he's so excited. Like I know he's gonna make a scene for my, uh, when I get my PhD too, but um, like stuff like that makes me really happy. And like my godmother is very supportive. And so they just reassure me, even if they don't understand what I'm doing, right? Like they have, they could not explain at all what I'm doing in the lab, but they just are very proud of the things that I'm doing. They know that I'm doing good work. They're they're always proud to say like, oh, my baby's getting her PhD in neuroscience. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, my grandma tries. She, for some reason, tells everyone I'm like a neurologist or like a neurosurgeon. And I'm like- In med school. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what she thinks. But, you know, I've, I've tried to make her understand it's okay. <laughs> as long as she knows I do something with the brain, like <laughs> that's- yeah. Gonna get. <laughs> exactly, very cool. Do you have a defense date? I don't know if that question stresses you out, but have you defended already? Uh, I haven't yet. It, it doesn't stress me okay. out. I just set my pre-defense for May. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> May 17th is my pre-defense. Everybody uh, send me good wishes and, you know, let's hope that it, it all goes well. I'm excited <laughs> about it though. The plan is for me to graduate in June. Um, June 11th, I should be getting my uh, hooding ceremony. So that would be exciting. But um, yeah, that's the plan for right now. And um, I am actually going to start in an assistant professor position after oh, wow. I defend. Yeah. No way. At UC Irvine? <laughs> no. Uh, so, oh, I guess you're the first person I'd be telling this to like publicly. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I haven't fully announced it yet. Um, by the time this airs, I'm sure it'll be like out by then, but um, I'll be an assistant professor at the University of Minnesota. Oh, super cool. That's awesome. Uh, Congratulations. So cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we just touched on support. Um, and a lot of people I know, they struggle because they might not have that familiar support like a lot of people do. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, I really rely on my peer support system. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we can better support our colleagues, like I know you are a very supportive person. I can I can just tell by your tweets and just like your personality overall, right? So what have you found to be the best way to support our colleagues and, and peers? Kind, like kindness is a big one, right? But yes, what else? absolutely kindness, but also uh, sharing resources. So like one of the best ways that I've found um, to support my peers is like, if I get any type of award, if I hear about any type of opportunity, if I know of anything, I will like email people and be like, hey, I heard about this. I thought about you. I know this is something you're interested in, you know, it, or if I've gotten something. So I was awarded the NSF GRFP. I like constantly serve as a writing mentor and like peer tutor in that way. Like I'll review people's applications, give them feedback on it. I can't tell you how many students I've talked to in the past couple of months just about like applying to grad school you know the application process just providing encouragement that like yes you should totally apply for this like you know I, I go back to what my friend told me I'm like the worst thing they can do is tell you no and so just you know keep trying keep putting yourself out there um I talk them through like the interview process. I try to, you know, give that type of guidance and peer support in the best ways possible. But I also think a big part of it is to talk about the things that you're struggling with too. I'm very open and transparent about, you know, how 
I failed <laughs> a lot of things. And like, I failed my first exam in grad school, but I'm still going to graduate, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you're still, yeah, still going to be a doctor, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, it's, it's totally fine. And I think more people need to be more open and transparent about those things because it helps people feel comfortable and to know that they're not alone in those struggles and that we're all going through it, right? Like nobody's perfect. Nobody gets everything right the first time. Like that's okay. Um, but I think that's one of the best ways that you can support your peers is by, you know, being honest about not just the things that you're doing really well, but also the things that you're not doing so great at um, and giving them, you know, access to those opportunities and resources because not everybody has those same um, privileges that you grew up with. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, because we are PhD students, a lot of this is stressful, but we're doing our best to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. Right. So how have you managed your stress? Like what goes on in your routine that helps you do this? And uh, as PhD students, I'm, I'm sure you do this often. And I know like a stressed undergraduate or, or high schooler can benefit from hearing this as well. But can we take a page out of your book? Like, do you have any tips and tricks for managing this? Oh, uh, for managing stress, um, mine probably aren't the healthiest <laughs> mechanisms. I am um, very much a foodie. I love desserts. Like that is like <laughs> my number one go-to for anything. Like if I've had a long day, I will go get some ice cream. I will right. get like, I will indulge in chocolate cake and cookies and anything that, you know, makes me feel better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, this is totally fine with me. You know, it probably long-term, it's not the best option, but right now it makes me really happy so i'm gonna keep doing it super cool okay um now what about in the times you are experiencing imposter syndrome Mm. right because stress is one thing but another Mm. thing that just lingers with me for example is is that imposter syndrome like should i be here you know like should i be in graduate school is this is this a i don't know i this is something i experience a lot and i know a lot of my peers do too. So have you ever felt that? And what have you done to kind of cope with it? Yes. Uh, so when I, when I actually got my acceptance to UCI for grad school, um, they called, they called us. So I got the phone call and they were like, Oh, like you've been accepted. And I was like, I, I had to pause because I just couldn't believe what I was Am hearing. Am I being punked kind of Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like, even after we got off the phone, I was like, oh, they're going to call back and tell me they made a mistake. And then like, even when they emailed me, like the acceptance letter and stuff, I was like, they're going to send me an email saying like, my bad, we accepted the wrong person. Like I was just waiting for that to happen because I really did not feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I didn't feel like, you know, I, it just felt like they were making a mistake. And of course, like right now, I know that that's completely wrong. Like I absolutely deserve to be there and anyone else who gets accepted, like they thought about you, you went through the application process, you went through the interviews, you excelled at that, you've shown that you will be an amazing student. And so you absolutely deserve to be there. So don't belittle yourself in those ways. I still feel it sometimes even now. Um, One of the things that helps me a lot is of course having a support system of my peers, right? So not even just my family, because I mean, your family's going to tell you that you're great, even if you're not really doing a whole lot. Your partner as well, right? Yeah. Um, But having some really good peers. So I have friends who are also in graduate school. I have friends from undergrad um, who I talk to all the time. And like, if I'm just like, I can't do this, like, I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, girl, haven't you seen all of the things that you've done? (laughs) Do you not see all these things you've accomplished? Like, what are you talking about? Um, And just like that reassurance and that support is really helpful. Also, what's helpful for me is sometimes I'll make a list of, um, so my CV is helpful to look at sometimes. Just yeah. to like it's look literally back a list of accomplishments. Yeah. Yes, these are all the things that I've done. Um, but also just like mentally thinking of like some of the, the things that I've accomplished and where I've gotten from 
gosh, even like I was uh, thinking about this, it's 2022 now. And so like 10 years ago, I was a senior in high school and (laughs) just see the growth and the progression from the past 10 years has been absolutely astounding. Like there is no way I would have even fathomed being here right now. And so I'm just, I I think those things help reassure me that like, yes, I'm doing the right things. Um, I'm on the right track. Like I'm, I'm doing okay. And I deserve to be here as much as anybody else does. Yeah, that support system's huge. I, I don't know how I would be here at UNC without the support system I have. Like my friends from undergrad, the friends I've met here. It's just, it's really great having them for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is somewhat irrelevant, but a like topic that I really want to dive into. Okay. So let's pretend you are the president of UC Irvine and you mm-hmm. had all the money and power in the world to do what you want. What are your thoughts on how we can make STEM, science, biology more diverse and more inclusive? Do you have any ideas on like initiatives that can better support and empower students from historically underrepresented backgrounds? I've actually been thinking about this because um, as I go into my new position as an assistant professor, I will also be um, leading a lot of DEI initiatives and my program directing and all of these things are very close to my heart. Like it's very important to me to constantly give back to our community. is I'm sure you know, like coming from, you know, underrepresented backgrounds, like it's just, it's so important that we're constantly giving back because we know that people aren't afforded these same opportunities. Um, And so one of the biggest things that I've been thinking about is reaching back, not just to undergraduates, but K through 12 students, right? Going out into the communities, showing them from a young age, like this is, first of all, this is what science is, right? Like this is what neuroscience is. You should be excited about this. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just so you know, this is a thing. It's really cool. Um, But then also I didn't have a lot of guidance when I was applying to even college right? Like, like I said, my parents um, don't have college degrees. And so they didn't have a lot of, you know, guidance for me. I actually only applied to BISC. Like that's the only application I fully um, submitted. And the only reason I applied there is because my dad used to work in the cafeteria there. And he was like, this would be, you know, a, it seems like a good school. You should come here. And I was like, all right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest um, is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, thankfully I was a good student. So I got a full ride and like, that was amazing. Cause we also didn't have money to pay for school. So like, that was wonderful. But um, I think even just like meeting students and talking to them about, you know, this is what college entails. Here's like a bunch of different majors that you could major in. These are a bunch of different careers you could have with those majors. These are things that you can do. I think like exposing students to things at a young age and building genuine connections with them is such a big deal. Um, And I mean, that all falls under, under being a mentor to them. This mentorship piece, people kind of like glance over and they're like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, have a mentor. Anybody can find a mentor. But really, if you don't know where to start, like you just have no idea. I didn't have a mentor pretty Mm -hmm. much until uh, unofficially in undergrad, but I didn't have official mentors until graduate school. And so that piece in itself I didn't even know how to find a mentor like I had no idea how literally an email away you know like yeah I was so scared I'm like what am I supposed to email you about what am I supposed to talk to you about like I don't know what I'm doing so how can I ask you questions and I think um, anyone can do that. Anybody can be a mentor to people from these historically excluded backgrounds. And so, you know, if I was president of the university or something, I feel like <laughs> that's a huge initiative that I would want to undertake where it's not just undergrads and grad students, but also faculty and 
other people who are really invested in this, like actually going out to these communities and reaching these students at a young age. And of course, like you're not going to see such a quick turnaround of, oh, next year we'll have like 50 new people from underrepresented groups. But 10, 20 years down the line, like the type of impact that's going to that's going to have will be absolutely amazing. And so that's like one of the things I'm really thinking about and trying to find the best ways to do it. I mean, of course, it takes time. You have to develop those relationships. You have to build trust within those communities. Um, but I think that's the best ways that you can actually help people, you know, get to these points where you're trying to get them at and avoid that whole like leaky pipeline trope because, you know, yeah. you're actually like guiding them along the way and helping them and providing them with support and resources that they need. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I love that kind of grassroots bottom up approach, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what about the tools to get them there though, right? So one thing that I've had trouble with is I've had mentees ask me about like, okay, JP, do you know where we can get the money mm. to apply for these things? Mm. Like I know fee waivers are a thing, but like, where do I access them? How, how do you think we can uh, make these tools or resources more accessible? Like, yes, we have ourselves as mentors, but do you think there's a way that institutions can do better on that part? Like an administrator, an, an administrative role kind of? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, you pretty much said it. Money is like the biggest yeah, right. thing, right? Like <laughs> money is access to everything. Money is access to these resources. Money is for the funding for like lab equipment. Money is, you know, paying students a livable wage to, you know, be able to do the research, right? It's paying for their housing, paying for their flights to attend things. like money is how things get done, right? Like that is literally what it is in science. People are saying like publications are currency, but no, it's money because you have currency to have the money to be able to like actually do it to pay people, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the things that institutions really need to, um, if, if you say you're committed to this and you're invested in it, like you need to put the money where okay. your mouth is, you need to create, you know, programs that bring students from HBC, HBCUs and HSIs, you know, into these institutions that bring Native American students and Latinx students and, you know, all of these other students, like providing them funded opportunities to get things done. So if you're talking about, we want to reach high schoolers, like, okay, you need to find a funded opportunity to be able to get them in a lab to get them experience, right? If you're talking about like for undergrads and stuff, right, paid summer research opportunities, it doesn't just pay them, you know, a stipend, but like covers their meals, it gives them professional development resources that, you know, connects them to these things. For grad students, like pay your grad students more, right? Exactly, yeah, I'm struggling over here. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's insane. And even like with postdocs and stuff, like coming from low income backgrounds coming from an immigrant family, right? Like the money that we make isn't just for us. It's not like it's just supporting us. Like we send money to our families. We have peop other people that we have to take care of. And like, even though, you know, thankfully I'm going to be making more money as an assistant professor than I do now as a grad student, like, am I really? Because I'm going to be sending money like to my grandmother, <laughs> to, you know, like you have generations behind you that you're trying to help. And so um, I think that, you know, being able to financially support people in those ways and provide them access to those opportunities is really what's going to make a difference. Right. So what do you think is the biggest pushback, right? Because I feel like now a lot of students, a lot of faculty are talking about this. A lot of discussions are being had, but I feel like things aren't happening fast enough. And I know it's not a sprint. It's, it's, an, it's a whole marathon. Mm -hmm. But like, what do you think the biggest pushback is? Why do you think things aren't happening faster? In all honesty, I think it's because people are hesit hesitant in some ways and also like really they, they have issues um, 
with saying that this is a funding source specifically for historically excluded groups, or this is a funding source for black students, or this is a funding source for Native American students, right? Like they have such a huge problem with it just being like for this specific group who really needs it, because then it's always like, oh, well, what about this group? What about that group? What about that one? It's like, okay, like, yes, we can focus on these other groups, but right now this focus. is what we're focused on, right? Yeah. And so I think that's where like the big confusion is and people are just like, oh, well, we have to worry about everything Everybody, but it's like, okay, but not everybody is having these same types of struggles. And if you're going to focus on these groups, you need to really focus on these groups. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And I, I love that answer. It's just frustrating knowing that like a lot of people think like this and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does it feel to be at this point in your career in STEM, right? You just earned a position. Um, you will be Dr. Dukes. Can you reflect on that? Like if you were to give a thank you speech, what would it be? No pressure. I know that puts you on the spot, but. You said if it... I were to give a thank you speech? Yeah. Like how does this feel? Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing coming from, you know, your background and, and being at the point where you're at. Oh yeah. It's a, uh... Honestly, like I haven't spent too much time. I, I need to do this more. Like I need to reflect Celebrate. more on like where I've been and like all my accomplishments yeah. and stuff, because I mean, I just do, you know, the little things every day and just kind of like chug along and I don't really think about it, but I am amazed by, <laughs> by how far I've got, gotten like growing up. Um, I always thought, you know, I was going to, the plan was to be a pediatrician. I want to go to med school, right? Because like, that's what you do when- All of know, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what they tell you. Like, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Like, just do the thing. Right, make some money. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was like what I was set on. And even going into undergrad, like I was on the pre-med track. Like, that's what I was going to do. I just knew that was going to be my life. And so when I had my little- my first existential crisis in undergrad <laughs> where I decided I didn't want to go to med school anymore and I wanted to do something different. Um, I would tell myself that, you know, it's going to work out. Like it really is. If you stick to the things that you're passionate about and that make you happy, like it's going to work out. You'll be so much happier and impact so many more lives by doing this than, you know, by just going to med school, right? Like there's, there's so many more things that you could do. And really it's, it amazes me all the time when I think about um, all the progress we've made, like with Black and Neuro and just connecting scholars all around the world and like providing them with a platform and a community. It just, it blows my mind to think about it, but it shows how much people really need this and that they just really wanted, you know, a space that they can do this um, and to know that they're not alone. And so for me to be able to help provide that has been like, like the biggest accomplishment of my life so far. <laughs> like it's just, and, I don't say that lightly. It just, it has been absolutely amazing. Like I'm so proud of being able to get this PhD, but really um, the things I'm going to be able to do with it make me more excited. Like the notion of being able to continue to support, you know, students from historically excluded backgrounds and like help them see themselves in science and to know that this is like an opportunity for them and that they can get paid to do this. And then like, you know, they have so many more opportunities if this is what they're excited about and what they're passionate about, that they can do it too. I think those are the things that keep me going and like make me really, really happy. Um, but if I were to do like a thank you to people who've gotten me here, really, it would be, uh, of course, my family for their support, but, um, to my undergraduate professors and all of my mentors so far. Like the first time I saw a black woman with a PhD was when I went to college. 
I didn't even know that was a thing for us. I hadn't seen, you know, Black women as scientists before then. I never even knew that, like, a PhD was a thing that, you know, someone who looked like me and came from my background could do. And so I'm so grateful for them for showing me that this is an option. And, like, I'm so happy that I get to do that for other people now. Like, that makes me way happier than I think, you know, anything else could at this point. Like, it just, I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, And really... I think the main person that this is going to go in my, uh, when I do my defense too, when I do my acknowledgements. Yeah, your acknowledgement side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like my husband has been absolutely amazing. He's been so supportive throughout like all of this, like no matter how long nights and long days I have in lab or like when I spend my weekends doing black and neuro stuff and like, you know, he's just been the number one supporter <laughs> throughout all of this. And so I'm really grateful to him too. That's awesome. I, I just love, love this. Cause like, this is the future of STEM. You know, mm-hmm. like, and you're going to be a huge part of that. Um, so this is the, I don't know why this popped up in my mind, but it did. Raven, the science maven, is she at UC Irvine too? Yeah, yeah. So she's here. So uh, it's, it's actually. Dynamic been- duo. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, she's amazing. It's um, so when she was graduating last year and looking for positions, I had actually reached out to um, our associate dean of DEI here. And I was like, hey, like she's <laughs> looking for positions. She wants to move to Southern California. Like you, you need, need to get her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm thrilled that she's here. She's going to do like such amazing things. Um, I'm super, super excited for her. Yeah, super cool. Okay, so do you want to plug um, Black and Neuroscience? Tell us yeah. how it came to be, what it's all about. And um, yeah, so uh, with Black and Neuro, um, it started off in 2020. Um, of course, just at like the height of you know the social unrest and um, when people were really taking a note of police brutality and its impact on Black Americans and um, Black people around the world, just really going through it. Um, And I think being a Black person in academia and in science in general, it felt very isolating because although people were really having these conversations, especially initially um, on social media and, you know, in the news and people were talking about it, it wasn't really talked about, you know, in lab settings, right? Like you go to lab and people are like, oh, it's just the science, like just focus on that. And that's not... um, what we could do, right? <laughs> like, you know, I absolutely could not. I was actually supposed to advance to Canada this year on that time, and I was not there, like, at all. Like, I just, I could not care about the science that I was doing when I was more concerned about my life and my husband's life and, you know, my dad's life. And I was just, I couldn't, it, it wasn't happening. Um, things were put on pause, you know, like essentially just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, thankfully I have, uh, my advisor was really supportive and understanding and my committee was too. I pushed back my advancement. Like they understood every, you know, that I just wasn't there right now. And so that was fine. Um, but I really wanted to connect with other black scholars who were experiencing the same thing. Um, and I, when I started grad school, it was only myself and one other black woman in my program, um, Elena, and she's like absolutely amazing. And she's been, you know, like my closest friend throughout all of this, like throughout this whole process. Um, and she and I would like talk about it, but it, it just, it didn't seem like it was enough. Like other people weren't talking about it. And so um, with Black and Arrow, like I said, I just kind of sent a tweet out and <laughs> it blew up from there. Um, it was really only supposed to be a week. Um, so we were inspired or I was inspired by Black Birders Week and Black and Astros. So if you aren't familiar with those, they're um, other like Black in movements that really highlight Black people within those fields. And so I thought it was amazing to see. And I love seeing, you know, Black people thriving in all of these different fields. 
but I was like, where are all the black neuroscientists, right? <laughs> yeah, real quick, my bench mentor in my rotation is Alex Stutzman, who founded um, Black in Genetics. Nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it's really, really amazing. Um, so yeah, like I was inspired by them. And so I just like sent out a tweet and I was just like, so when are we going to do a Black and Neuro week, right? And um, I didn't expect it. I didn't have a whole lot of like Twitter followers or anything. So I was like, oh, maybe one or two people might be you know, interested. <laughs> I don't know. But um, quite a few people were like, oh yeah, I would love to see that. That would be amazing. And I was like, okay, cool. But I can't do this by myself. So <laughs> if, if, you know, other people want to help out, let me know. And so I sent that tweet out on a Friday. Um 20 plus people were like, oh yeah, I'd love to help. This would be amazing. I can help organize. Like they were like tagging their friends and stuff. We made a Slack channel that same day. By Sunday, we had our first meeting. And then three weeks later, the first Black and Arrow week was born. And it was, so cool. That's it, so cool. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And really the whole point of it, you know, as I mentioned, was to just celebrate Black scholars, to celebrate not just the research that we do, but like who we are as people, to provide a community for them, to like offer some types of resources. And it was just, it was only supposed to be a week. We did not expect it to go beyond that. But like after Black and Arrow week, we know that we that we couldn't stop like there was just no way um and so in the past year and a half since you know it first started we've hosted i think it's over 70 plus events we've had um over 2000 attendees uh wow. for each black and neuro week we've had two black and neuro weeks so far um from i think it's over 65 different countries who've attended and so that's just absolutely amazing to me that so many people are interested and so passionate about it um and we're just getting started, which is yeah, which is so really exciting. Yeah. Uh, have, yeah, it's it's amazing, and just to see the growth that we're gonna have, and we have so many events planned for you know this upcoming year, and so many more exciting things, and we're really just trying to help create these spaces um, so Black scholars can continue to thrive even well beyond that. You know, beyond this just being a trend or just being you know the hot topic right now for people to talk about. Like, we want right. this to be a lasting community um, where people can find each other and find support and can, you know, really just know, even though you might be the only one or two in your department, you're not the only one. Like there are people here who love you and want to see you succeed and will try to help you get there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so inspiring. Yeah, it's, it's your tweet was the tweet heard around the uh, entire neuroscience world, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's kind of all the questions I had for you, but is there anything else you'd want to say on this platform? Free reign um other than fun questions i have set up for you but oh uh let's see i think i just want to reiterate to students that um to find the things that you're passionate about and to just go for it right like there is no reason why you can't um you might face some like rejection and failures along the way but that's a part of the journey right and it makes your story so much more interesting when you share it later um but to also while you're going along that journey to make sure that you reach back and pull someone else up with you yeah definitely yeah there's a beautiful tony morrison quote that that popped in my mind and you said that I got to find that quote now because I can't rehearse. I can't like say it off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready for some fun questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have a celebration song for whenever something goes right? And if so, what is it? Mine is Run This Town, Rihanna, Kanye, Jay-Z. 
Oh, I don't have, I don't think I have a celebration song right now, but I have, um, I don't know if you ever watched like the princess and the frog. And so uh, right now I have like Tiana's like almost there song. That's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. my anthem for finishing graduate school. So I've been listening <laughs> to that almost every morning because I'm just like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Favorite thing to do outside of science outside of science um this is lame but I really enjoy just binge watching like Netflix and Hulu and <laughs> whatever like is on there it's just so nice for me to zone out and to not think about science sometimes I'll do it and like I'll build a puzzle or something while I'm doing it but it's just nice to not think about anything science related <laughs> for a while yeah agreed okay this might be off topic but my partner um has never watched Harry Potter or read Harry Potter and we've just been been we've been binging the Harry Potter movies <laughs> She's just blown away. I'm like, how have you not seen it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so, so good. Yeah. yeah. No, we, I ended up uh, a couple of years ago, like before COVID hit, um, Universal Studios out here, like they had like the whole little Harry Potter world and stuff. And so I wanted to go, but I was like, I need to binge watch all of the movies before I go. So I know what's happening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was born and raised in LA. So the Harry Potter world is. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> great. Yeah. Okay. Two more. Um, do you know what your name means and, and why you think, why do you think you were named your name? <laughs> um, so depending on the translation, it's either uh, like just angel or it's like messenger of God, which, you know, can translate the same way. Um, right. And it's probably just, a, it's mostly a derivation of my mother's name. So my mom's name is Anjani. Um, and so then it's like Anjani and Angeline. And yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one. You ready? Uh, what's your favorite non-STEM book or podcast or anything else of this sort? Uh, favorite non-STEM. Mm. It's a hard one, huh? Yeah, that is a really hard one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a favorite, I don't know if I have a favorite right now. I am actually also reading the Harry Potter books right now. Oh, um, like rereading them. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> I guess that's what like I'm into right now. But as far as like a favorite one. Oh, that's hard. I don't know. I might have to think about that. <laughs> okay, okay. All good. All good. Well, that'll be a TBD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, are, are your experiments on the timer right now? Or? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have to go back in seven minutes to go get <laughs>